Good morning. Welcome to Naples United Church of Christ. I'm Reverend Angela Wells Bean. I'm your minister for congregational care. Whether you are here with us in person or worshiping with us remotely this morning, we are really, really glad to have you. I want to extend a special welcome to our church members who are at Arbor Trace and Bentley Village. Welcome to you. We're so glad you're able to gather together this morning and worship among us. Good morning. My name is Mark Williams, and I'm the senior minister here at Naples UCC, and what a blessing it is to be with all of you for worship, and a blessing to be with those who are connecting with us online. If you're here in person, I would invite you to pass the blue registration pads uh, down the pews, the attendance pads, to uh, let us know and be able to connect uh, with you. And if you're worshiping with us online, uh, be sure to make a comment in the comments section of your online worship, as we would love to know where it is that you're worshiping from. Also, a little bit later in our worship service, if you're online, we'll be celebrating the Sacrament of Holy Communion, so be sure to have your elements prepared. This week, a number of different opportunities and ways to get involved in the ministry, in the life of the church, and many of those opportunities are in your bulletins. Wanted to highlight uh, just a couple. Later this afternoon at 4 o'clock, our teenagers are going to be meeting for their youth group program. And we are looking forward uh, to being together, and I am looking forward to being the speaker at four. Uh, All of the teenagers in the church will have an opportunity to ask me questions about theology, about the church, or about the vocation of ministry. And I look forward to this afternoon at four o'clock. Also, on Wednesday of this week, my Bible study on Paul's letter to the church in Philippi will continue in Nelson Hall at 9 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday, and then the Zoom will be at noon on Wednesday. We had a terrific discussion last Wednesday, and we're going to pick right up in Philippians chapter 1 this coming Wednesday. Would love to have you for Bible study All you need to bring with you is your favorite Bible. And even if you didn't make it last week, you can still jump in this week. Absolutely. You can hop right in. That's great. Uh, A couple announcements on behalf of our WISE for Mental Health Ministry. WISE stands for Welcoming, Inclusive, Supportive, and Engaged. And that task force, their next meeting is this coming Thursday, October 5th at 10 a.m. Our numbers have been slowly growing, which is wonderful. But if you'd like to be more involved with helping our church be more supportive of folks who struggle with mental health concerns, please join us at 10 a.m., on this coming Thursday in N104 or on Zoom. It's also hybrid, so you can get that link in your weekly emailing. Um, Also, on behalf of the WISE folks, there is going to be a two-part book discussion later on in October. We're going to be reading the book Blessed Youth and how this mental health crisis is affecting our youth and how the adults in their lives can be supportive. And so if this book discussion interests you, please sign up by this Friday. The, the, the first meeting isn't till October 12th, so we've got a little while before you have to read part of the book, but we need folks to sign up. So the deadline to RSVP for that book discussion is Friday the 6th. Please contact the church office or see Chelsea in the gathering place if you'd like to participate in that important book discussion. 
And an event one week from today, Sunday, October the 8th, right after worship, we are going to be hosting a lunch for prospective new members. If you're present today and you're interested in perhaps joining Naples UCC as a member, we would love to have you for lunch. Pastor Angela and I will be there answering any questions that you might have about the church. And something new about this lunch uh, coming up one week from today, it is going to be hybrid also. And so if you're connecting uh, with us online and would like to Zoom in uh, for lunch, you can either see the link that will be provided in the Wednesday email this week, or you can call the church office and we'll be sure to email you that link as we would love to have participants both in person and online for lunch one week from today right after worship. That's right. And we have a lot of you folks who join us remotely who haven't been to campus before. So please feel free to join us for that so you can learn, learn more about all kinds of aspects of the ministries of our church. There's a lot going on. That's just a little bit. You can see that our, our ascent into season is slowly picking up. Um, but do keep an eye on all of our communications and publications so that you can plug in in ways that are meaningful for you. But for now, let us center our hearts and minds as we prepare for worship. God has remembered God's steadfast love for all God's creation. We are healed and called to be God's beloved children and witnesses. We receive God's healing and love and share the good news with all we meet that God is love and in God there is no darkness or fear. Please be seated. I invite you to turn to your bulletins and join me in our prayer of invocation. Let us pray together. Gracious and generous God, in the dry wildernesses of our lives, in the days of heat and thirst, you offer us living water. We thank you and praise you that however we may thirst, whatever we may need to satisfy our souls, you offer it freely and abundantly. As we worship this morning, we drink deep of the living water, and as we draw from your wells, we seek to pass the cup to others who, like us, are thirsty for your grace. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and merciful God, for your love that gently flows into our own lives at every turn, we are deeply grateful for the ways in which you sustain us and even surprise us. We are blessed for being present with us, O God, during our personal times of need, darkness, and unknown. We give you thanks this day, for you are a God who is with us. With us as individuals, yes, but also with us as a church. For all the love and ministry of this place, I am grateful, we are grateful, for it is made possible by you. For the dedication of your people, for the prayers of your people, and for the witness of your people serving and loving others, we give you thanks. For in it, 
all receive a glimpse of your selfless love, the love of Christ Jesus. And on this World Communion Sunday, O God, we are reminded too that you are not just the God of each of us as individuals. You are not just the God of this church. You are the God of the whole world. Spoken so wisely by a child just a few moments ago, you are the God of all creation. For your love extends to the ends of the earth. We ask that your spirit would be upon not just this church, but all churches and people everywhere. That all who love and serve you this day would know that they are not alone, but part of a wider family of grace. Specifically, we ask that your blessing would be upon our partnership with Guatemala and upon all who continue to serve those who are not just near to home, but far away. For indeed, O oh God, you are a God of all nations and people. Be with us now as we continue to hear your good news and be with us today, tomorrow, and forevermore. Together we pray this prayer in and through the spirit of Christ Jesus, the one who taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Exodus chapter 17. You may follow along in the words that are printed in your bulletins. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water and the people complained against Moses and said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. 
Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the walk and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? So I've got a story for you. I'm warning you that at any given point throughout this story, you might start to think to yourself, she is making this up. But I'm not. It really happened. I was there. And I have family members who were there who can also vouch for it as well. So the story takes place in 1995. I was eight years old. My older brother was 11 years old. And my mom was pregnant, six months pregnant, with our younger brother. That summer, we took a family vacation to Kenya. Now, you might be asking yourself, that's a little unusual. Why would parents with two young children and one on the way go to Africa? Well, my aunt, my dad's sister, is an epidemiologist. And she founded a nonprofit and was working over there to combat the spread of HIV AIDS. And she was living in Nairobi with her family. And she invited us to come for a visit. And when you have a family member in a place as cool as Nairobi, Kenya, you take them up on their invitation to go. So off we went. It was a wonderful trip until my parents had taken my brothers and I, my brother and I, excuse me, and our four cousins, I had four male cousins, still do, four boys. They took the six of us on a trip to the Serengeti National Park. Right, to go on a safari and see the elephants and the lions and the gazelles and the giraffes. And it was the experience of a lifetime. I've traveled a lot since then, but that is still one of the trips I remember the most. We had an incredible trip, uh, two adults and six kids, one of the adults being pregnant. And we were heading back from Serengeti National Park to Nairobi. And it's supposed to be about a four or five hour drive. We were in an old Jeep Wagoneer. It was old in 95. So today it would probably be extremely old, considered an antique. And uh, we're driving along this dirt road in the middle of the desert. And we start to see steam come out of the hood of this old Jeep Wagoneer. And so my dad pulls over, lifts up the hood. The engine has overheated. And sure enough, the radiator's cracked and we're not going anywhere. Thankfully, there was a jug in the, in the trunk of the car. And so my mom gives the jug to my dad and says, go forth and find water in the desert. This radiator needs water. <laughs> so meanwhile, my mom has six anxious and scared children. I was eight years old. I was the only girl and I was the youngest. Uh, so we went up from there, but we were all still pretty young. And my mom has to figure out how to keep these six scared children occupied. So she thinks to herself, let's go on a hike. So there's a hill off in the distance. And to get out our nervous energy and our fear, we go on this hike and we're talking about what's around us. And we get to the top of this hill and wouldn't you know, there's a pond. We come across a pond that you couldn't see from the road because it was hidden by the hill. And so she sends one of my cousins down for my dad who's wandered off somewhere else and brings him up and we fill this jug with water from the pond, 
carry this heavy jug back down to the car, fill the radiator, and we continue our drive back to Nairobi. That doesn't last long because the radiator's cracked. So we get as far as we can go until it happens again. And we see smoke emitting from the hood. We pull over. He opens the hood to let the engine cool down, gets the jug out of the trunk, and is going to find water again in the desert. Well, no sooner have we pulled over than we are surrounded by Maasai people. We are in the Maasai territory. And we don't know if they come in peace or if they wish us harm. They are a warrior people and they literally came with their spears and shields and they do not dress in shorts and t-shirts, okay? So we're all very scared. We are at their mercy. My mom is thinking to herself, I might have to exchange my husband for water, but (laughs) trade-offs. And so, but you can also imagine they were... they were also probably pretty scared. I imagine it's not every day that they have this old Jeep Wagoneer drive through their community full of eight white folks, six of whom are children. So I, you know, I think there was fear and trepidation on both sides. So but my mom sends forth my dad, <laughs> like, go communicate with them on how to get water because they don't speak English. Well, a smile transcends all language barriers, and he smiles them and holds up the jug and conveys, like, you know, we're having car troubles here, and they pick it up, the problem, pretty quickly, and they take him back to their village. Again, my mom later retold us that she really thought she may never see him again, but hope for the best. And so they had one pump in their village where they all had access to water, and they allowed him to use it and helped him fill up the jug with water. And then he brings it back to the car. We fill up the radiator and we express our deep and sincere thanks and gratitude for these people. And we keep driving along. Okay, we are so close to Nairobi, but we don't make it. (laughs) It's now after dark. This trip that was supposed to be about five hours long has now been over 10 hours and it's dark. And there are no streetlights. There are no ambient, there's no ambient light in the community because we are in the middle of nowhere. My dad, who really likes space and astronomy, said that there was no light pollution and the stargazing was really good. So, you know, silver linings. Um, The children are now also getting very, very afraid, right? Like our food reserves are running out. We're worried that we're going to have to spend the night in this Jeep Wagoneer. We don't know what's going to become of us. We've just seen all of these like large predators at Serengeti National Park and they are not fenced in. So we're worried that like we could become food for some animal. Anyway, you know, when you're afraid, your imagination runs wild. And my mom who has been able to maintain a non-anxious presence and be calm for us six kids the whole day is now also really starting to get worried. But, you know, we have no other choice. So she sends my dad with the jug and a flashlight and says, go find water. Um, Wouldn't you know, he starts walking down the road and two people start approaching him that are on foot Again, we don't know if they're hostile or friendly or anything, if they're going to try to hold us up or mug us or what, Um, but we are at their mercy. And so he starts to speak to them, and they do speak English and explains to them that we need water. And they say, oh, no problem. And they point to the side of the road down which is about, there's a gully about 40 feet deep. And they say at the bottom of this gully is a PVC pipe. And we know where there's a clamp 
on the PVC pipe that we can take off and the pipe will break open, we'll have access to water, we can fill your jug. So my dad looks out, there's no other option. So bless these two men, they go with him and they show him, I mean, this huge gully, they show him exactly where the break is in the pipe. They release the clamp, the water comes gushing forth, they fill the jug with water. They help him carry this extremely heavy jug up the other side of the gully. And they, we fill the radiator and we drive back and we get to my aunt's house in Nairobi, Kenya. My mom later said that those two men who approached us were both wearing white shirts and she said they looked like angels. And my dad tried to thank them and give them money and for their, you know, out of gratitude for their help. And they said, no, 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 we can't take your money. We are Christians. So we were helped by two angelic Christians along the side of the road who appeared out of nowhere and knew exactly where there was access to water. So we had to find water in the desert. The Israelites had to find water in the desert. I'm very aware that that's about where the similarities end. We were not fleeing slavery and moving towards liberation and freedom. But one thing that we both had in common, aside from our complaining, the Israelites complained a lot and us six children complained a lot, was fear. The Israelites were so afraid and so were we. We saw our lives flashing before our eyes. We had no access to medical care. If something happened to somebody, you don't live very long in the desert without food and water. So we really thought harm might befall us. And the Israelites thought that they were going to die of thirst in the wilderness. They were desperate. Now, the problem with this is that up to this point, God has provided for the Israelites so many times. God sent the seven plagues upon Egypt so that Pharaoh would let them go. And then God parted the Red Sea and let them walk across on dry land. And then they were hungry. And we heard last week how God sent manna down from heaven. And they think that after all that, now God is going to abandon them. As if God got distracted caring for other people around the world and forgot about the chosen people in the wilderness. But that's not how God works. God wasn't going to forget about them, care for them all that way, only to let them die now. But they were so thirsty. I don't know if you've ever been really, really thirsty, where your throat is dry and it hurts to swallow. It is a horrible feeling. And when you get to that point, you have a one-track mind. You have to find liquids as quickly as possible. And this is the state that they were in. And they were so desperate for water that they had lost their faith. It is easy to praise God when everything is going well in our lives. When we feel our blessings, when we are grateful, when we know how lucky we are and how everything is going well. And we just say, thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you for all the blessings you bestowed upon me. But when all is not well, when we are in trouble or when we are hurt or when we're grieving or when we're in pain or when we can't make ends meet and we can't provide for our loved ones or when our loved one is hurting and we can't help them, our memories can be so short. It can be so easy for us to get, forget all the times God has loved us and cared for us and provided for us. When we say God answered my prayers, 
That means that the resolution to the problem was such that I was happy with it, right? The outcome is one that I hoped for or I expected or I wanted. When we say God didn't answer my prayers, it's not that God didn't actually answer our prayers. It's that God didn't do what we wanted or what we had hoped for. And this story of water appearing from a rock in the wilderness is an important reminder that God is always with us. God never abandons us. God abides and loves and cares for us and always provides for us. Just maybe not in ways that we would expect. If you had asked those Israelites, what does the journey from slavery to liberation look like? They probably wouldn't have told you, well, first God's going to rain down seven plagues on the Egyptians and then Pharaoh's going to let us go. And then God's going to part the Red Sea and we're going to walk across and then the waters are going to cover the Egyptian army and kill them all. And then we're going to be really hungry and God's going to make manna appear. And then Moses is going to strike a rock and water will appear. That's not what they ever would have anticipated. If you ask me, what do answered prayers or what does a miracle look like in the Kenyan desert? I would have told you it is not, oh, it's a hidden pond behind a hill. And then it's a Maasai tribe. And then it's two men in white shirts who know exactly where the PVC pipe is at the bottom of the gully. I would have told you an answered prayer looks like a brand new large vehicle with a perfectly intact radiator that shows up next to us on this dirt road with a driver, and then we all get into it with all of our stuff, and we never see the Jeep Wagoneer again, and we drive back to Nairobi. But God did answer our prayers. The question is not, is God with us? God shows up on God's terms. The question is, do we have the awareness to see God at work amongst us? Amen. When all is going well in our lives, yes, praise God. But when all is not well, may our memories not be short because indeed God is present there too and God still deserves to be praised. And may you know that you are a beloved child of God. You are created in God's image. And I pray that you go from this place in peace. Amen.